Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grazing Army podcast. I'm your host, Giuseppe Corallo, and today, Clinton is back with me. Hi, hello. Clinton. Hello, hello. Because we're going to be talking about the two-hour season finale event, the two-hour that closed this transitional season of Grey's Anatomy, this never-seen-before season of Grey's Anatomy, and a, a very special season of Grey's Anatomy, a season, the first season of Grey's Anatomy, meritless. So, so I'm, I'm so curious to know what, Clinton, what, what you thought about these episodes. I'm curious to know what you that are listening thought about these episodes. Let us know. And uh, But before we start, Clinton, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm a little tired. It's the morning over here in Vancouver, but I'm good. Well, a little tired as well. Here it's the evening in Italy, in Rome. So I'm a little bit tired, but so pumped to talk about this two-hour season finale. It was really good. I really liked it. Okay. So the two episodes were the first episode, episode 19, was called Wedding Bell Blues. And I'm going to read a summary. Simone's wedding day arrives as Joe and Link's relationship eats a major turning point. This episode was followed by episode 20, which was the season finale, called, what a great title, Happily Ever After. The attending surgeons fly to Boston, forcing a reunion between Nick and Meredith. Bailey gets a big surprise. So, this was a two-hour season finale, as, as was last year, and the first part of the finale was written by Krista Vernoff and Meg Marinis. And as you recall, Krista Vernoff is leaving after this season as a showrunner, and Meg Marinis is going to be the, show, the new showrunner for season 20. The 20th episode, the season finale, was written instead by Meg Marinis. So in a way, we could say that this was the first episode of Meg Marinis as being, you know, not the new showrunner, but as I, I, I think that since she wrote the last episode, I think the Krista Vernoff letter take the curse of uh, the reins of the storylines. And so we might get a glimpse of where she's going, you know, mm-hmm. with, with all the characters. So, so Clinton, what do you think about this finale? Did it live up to your expectation? Did it not? It did. Like at first I was watching episode 19 and I was like, man, do I care about these interns? Like, do I care about this whole wedding plot line? Like, and then I found myself like crying over Quan with Enzo and like, like like actually caring about the interns quite a bit but then also like it was so nice to see Meredith and like that whole like Tudor plot line I thought was kind of silly and funny and then I was so sad for Weber and yeah I just I cared a lot more than I thought I was going to care okay I have to say that I was expecting more actually so interesting tell me more so as a whole I think this season has been uh, has has been a good season and I say this with difficulty because you know this was our first season without Meredith we we lost the center of our narration but I thought these two episodes were were building up to to you know to, to big powerful to a big powerful ending instead it, it, fe- it felt flat to me so first of all that final cliffhanger you know where in the are in the are 
and Teddy collapses and the patient is in critical condition. And Lucas and Simone, they might have killed the, the patient. The point for me was, do we really care about the fact that Teddy collapsed? Because, you know, this I, I don't like this kind of cliffhangers where a, where a character life, uh, life hangs in balance. This is because usually these endings, these cliffhangers, the follow-up gets spoiled by, you know, contract ne negotiation. And mm. we know that Kim Braver signed for season 20. So am I really supposed to be that excited knowing that she's going to be back as a serious regular? So we know- She could she be dead though. Like, could she be back in a way where she's like a ghost that just kind of haunts Owen? But- that would be a little bit far-fetched, right? I mean, it's safe. I mean, we to... had the whole Danny plot, plot line when it was like Cancer Danny talking to her. Like, he was a guest star, and will they sign her to be a serious regular mm. for her to torment Owen? I mean, I think they kind of spoiled the, the, um, the aftermath. This is why I don't like this kind of cliffhanger. This is why I don't. Mm. The same happened at the end of season five with, with George, and it was spoiled. And uh, with Easy, sorry, and uh, the, the same, and, and with George actually, and Easy, and the same happened again when in season eight with the fly plane, and we had, we knew before the se season nine started that Mark Sloan was going to die. Uh, so I think these are the kind of lazy cliffhangers because it's not like there is a build up to it, but they just go for the shock value. But at this point. I, it doesn't feel shocking to me anymore. So first of all, that cliffhanger did not like me, did, uh, did, uh, did not grab me. And also I thought that it was a little bit contrived. You know, the fact that Simone and Lucas had to operate on Sam all by themselves, the fact that nobody showed up. I don't know, it just felt a little bit forced. And, and also the other thing that I was expecting uh, so much with so much anticipation was for sure Marith's return. And she comes back and basically she has this crazy storyline about Alzheimer's. And not only that, she basically has a two minute scene with, with uh, Nick Marsh and everything is resolved. And Nick Marsh is the one making a big declaration when she should have been the one making the big declaration. She should have been the one asking for Nick's forgiveness, explaining to him what, what was going on in her life. Mm. Instead she just said, Oh, you know what, Nick? I was overwhelmed and I sound stupid, blah, 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 blah. And she's off the hook. I don't know. It all felt underwhelming. Right. Well, would she be the one to do a declaration of love? I guess she could do a declaration of love while still not begging him. Because I know she doesn't want to do another ask me, choose me, love me. Because she said that she wouldn't like beg him to love him or love her or whatever. Yeah, but at this point, I'm a little bit... <sighs> okay, I love Meredith Grey, but Ellen Pompeo... <laughs> is a little bit you know she's an actress she's not supposed to dictate what she has to say or she doesn't have to say the point is that our action our Meredith actions they're not that they should not there are writers that are writing this character and I feel like in in the past few years Meredith Gray has morphed more and more into Ellen Pompeo also this Alzheimer's storyline I think that so I think this Alzheimer's storyline says us two things. The first thing is that this means that we'll see Meredith back because basically they launched a new storyline for her. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think she'll be coming back for at least a couple episodes every season. Like if she, if they, if they go to season 21, I think she would still be in an episode or two and still do the voiceover. Like, I don't think she'll ever fully, fully be out of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I think that she was the one who said to the writers, you know, I'm going to come back, but I want this storyline to be the focus. And, and this is again, Ellen Pompeo. And the other thing is I get that she doesn't want to get, want to do declarational law, but I don't, I, I firmly believe that actors should not dictate what happens on screen. And I know she's not just an actress. I know she's an executive producer on the show, but you know, I just. In this but episode, don't the actors know their characters in a way that's different than the writers would because they have to embody them. And so like, like, shouldn't they have some input or shouldn't at least like, even if the writers say, I hear what you're saying, but I'm actually going to still go with what I put, right? Like, can they, shouldn't they still be like, be, be listened to a little bit? Like, okay, what are your thoughts on the character? What do you think Meredith would do? I actually believe, and I know that I may be unpopular, but I actually believe that the writers should be the ones to, to write the storyline. So I don't think that actors should have an insight because most of the time when actors do, things get messy and mm-hmm. everybody's there to do their own job. And an actor is there to, to portray the, and to give voice to the, to the words that are, that are being written. So I actually say that that's how I feel. And again, I didn't feel like that. The character that we got on screen, I didn't feel like it was Marissa Gray. I thought it was Ellen Pompeo. The way she acted towards Bailey when she had the words she seemed a little bit annoyed she was like and I have read some people um having this impression as well and maybe it's because Ellen Pompeo had hadn't had played this character for a few months I don't know what it was but she just lacks as of now chemistry with the entire cast it's like you can see that she's not completely there because mm-hmm. Mary Ray has always had a soft a vulnerable side, uh, which does not mean that she's weak, because Meredith Grey has been strong since day one. But the mm. point is that she felt so, so human. But right now, when you see her on screen, it doesn't feel like this, because it seems, again, like Ellen Pompeo, who's an actress that I love, okay? So I'm not dissing on the actress. I love Ellen Pompeo. But the point is that I can see the actress playing Meredith Grey. And so this bothers me a little bit. So when Belly gets on stage and she gets her word, you can see Alan Pompeo just not acting excited for, for Belly, which does not make sense. This was, she was her, I mean, Belly was her, her mentor. She should have tears in her eyes, but she doesn't. And Murphy Gray would have tears. The point is that Ellen Pompeo is not just engaged with the character anymore. And I say this with the greatest, greatest sameness, but that's how I feel after watching this episode, which doesn't mean that I didn't like the storyline. Again, I'm excited to see what they do because in a way, this could be the beginning of a new, interesting storyline for, for her because she is back at square one. So as Richard tells her, this new this new idea of hers might jeopardize her entire career. She might lose everything. So she could, you know, be the Meredith Grey that uh, she could not be the great the Meredith Grey anymore. But so I think it's interesting, and I think we'll have to see 
for if if Ellen Pompeo is going to sign up and what what she's going to do next and how she wants to be involved in the show. The point is that again, I just hope that the new showrunner Meg Marinis doesn't let the Meredith story get dictated by Ellen Pompeo. That's that's how I feel. Interesting. Okay. I guess I didn't look at her during, I only saw her during the thing, during the, when she introduced the award for Bailey. I didn't actually look at Ellen when Bailey was receiving the award because Bailey was so emotional. And so I was just kind of focused on her so much. And I was so happy for, for, for Bailey to win that. And I thought it was so important. I did notice, okay, this is a theory that I think Meredith, Meredith has, or Ellen Pompeo, sorry, has had some work done. So I wondered if it was too hard for her to emote. Like she couldn't move her face as much if that was the reason why or part of it that she felt disconnected. I, I don't know. I don't know about this. No, I know. I, I actually noticed, but again, she Oh, she, her lips, they like they doubled. So she's had she had, a, she had a little bit. Yeah, I didn't feel like this. But you know what? Now that I, you're letting me think about it, there is that scene in which she goes to so to Nick's hotel and, mm-hmm. and she's a note under his door. So that's what I thought what the declaration of love was, was the note. But sorry, sorry. She's at the hotel. She's at the hotel. And and basically she leaves this note under his door and then she walks away and we see her face and she just walks away. And and, and she's funny the way she walks, the face she does. When you think this is a 40 something year old woman who's not able to tell the man that she loves that she loves him. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what was this episode, but something felt off about her character. And I'm so sorry because I love her. She's my favorite character in the show. She's the reason why I'm here after 19 seasons, you know? So I don't know. I just hope that if she comes back, and I'm sure she will, even though she hasn't signed yet, just hope that she, she just gets to be in the character more i just hope that she's gonna be there and playing the hell out of it because she owns this character she's she's perfect as mercy gray she makes me feel i mean i have never i've never felt more in love when Meredith gray is in love or i've always been with her every step of her journey so i just hope to be on that train and maybe i'm just this critical just because of the great love that I have for this character. So, you know, I tend to, you, I mean, you didn't notice her face when Bailey was on the stage or when she gave the words to Bailey, not because you don't love her, but maybe because you are not obsessed with her as much as I am in a way. Well, that's right? that I'm not obsessed with Meredith. Like, it, it did, you know, I will give you though, like seeing her again, I was like, oh, okay, this feels a little bit like home. Like it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize I missed her, but then I saw her and I was like, oh, I do miss her and I'm really happy she still does the voiceovers because I find her voice very comforting when she does the voiceovers but yeah she's she's your true love so yeah but what do you think about this storyline this Alzheimer's storyline and the potential that it has for the future of the series because I really think it's a game changer this this storyline I had issues okay she has I, I don't understand how she can have all these things of how all of a sudden she's a great researcher like she was the surgical intern. It didn't seem like she really, she never talked about doing research in undergrad or in med school. And then all of a sudden she does like the million mini liver things that like um, cure that. And now she's just going to like cure that uh, Alzheimer's stuff. And there was the whole season 18 plot line. And she's just this great researcher now. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like people don't just like show up and go, hmm. And like 
six months and like cure a disease. Like it takes like decades of research. And so that's my issue is that she's, she's, it's, it's unrealistic expectations that it makes people think that like, oh, maybe I can just go and just research something like, no, you have to know so much about it. And then the other thing I kept thinking about was, is this even accurate? Like I was going to do some Google searching to see if this, like, is this something that Gray's anatomy made up? And then also, if this is if this is a new theory, is it kind of rude that like Meredith Gray gets to be the one to be the, the front runner for this research? Or is it is it is it taken away from the actual researchers who propose this new theory? Yeah, that's uh, our interesting questions. And so basically, I researched it because I was very curious. And apparently, uh, this uh, discovery was made by some researcher and that, you know, the results had been tempered. And so this is a true thing that happened. Of course, it was very great to discover it. So what I what's interesting to see is that, you know, Alzheimer is not a curable disease as of now. So I'm curious to see how they want, they will approach this and what I found and what I find really funny and what I think that you know sadly the writers have lost track of their own storylines is the fact that so basically in season 18 Merith, Amelia and Kai and again no one understands that what the role Merith played in it but you know they cured Parkinson's and they're not even nominated for a Catherine Fox award how is that possible yeah and then they give the award to Bailey for her great research, but that's not like, it's a surgical award. Like, couldn't they have given her like a different award, like given two awards? Also, are you going to have an entire award ceremony for just one award? Like, wouldn't there be categories? You know, like best, best cardio surgery, best research award. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, it just it did not make sense. And that's the point. That's why, even though it was great to see Bailey awarded with an award, at the same time, it felt like it didn't actually um, make me, made me, you know, it didn't make me emotional because it didn't make me emotional because because it didn't feel real. It felt contrived. It felt written on the page. You know what I mean? It was not like it was. Ugh, that's the problem with Grey's Anatomy right now. It just feels like a soap opera. Uh, so yeah, I just hope they that in season 20, they find their, their, I mean, they have always been, it has always been a primetime soap. So, you know, I love this soap element. That's why I come back every week. But the point is that this character always have felt so real in real circumstances, crazy, heightened circumstances, but still real. And right now it doesn't feel this way. So I just hope they go back to the roots, to their roots. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the roots, uh, we should talk about the interns that the interns were the, the Wait, before the, the interns. There's one, there's one more uh, from that scene that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. It was the Weber storyline of him like drinking. I, I, I appreciate that people show the struggle of it is to be sober. Cause there's a lot of like recovering addicts in my family. And like, you know, it is like a daily thing they have to be conscious of. I just, I, I don't like, I don't want Weber to succumb to it again. Like I want it to be like, Oh, he struggled and then he was okay because I just think that's a happier message. And I don't I don't want it to be like, oh, eventually every recovering addict is gonna relapse. Like I don't I don't want that. Well, the point with the storyline <clears throat> for me was so first of all, I don't get where this need 
is coming from. I mean, why is Richard feeling suddenly the urge to drink? I don't get it. I mean, of course, um, he, um, he he has a disease because it was, you know, alcohol, being an alcoholic is a disease that needs to be cured and treated. But what I say is why now? I, I just didn't get it just because he had that scare in the plane, I, I on the plane. I, I didn't get it. And the second, the second thing is that I feel like they're running in circles. How many times have we seen this storyline? Exactly. How many times have also, we the seen turbulence this? was scary, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I thought you were gonna die. It just looked like turbulence. Yeah, but the point is that you know, we have been through this. We have been there in season six, we've been there in season 15. How many times can they repeat the same storyline? It's just like I think their attempt at keeping him relevant and then but just I think it but that's the true part though. Like it is a daily thing, like it could happen at any time. But also I just like him to see him living his life happy and healthy and sober. Yeah, I don't know. And the fact that you know James Pickens, uh, who plays Richard, said a few weeks ago that Richard is gonna be tested like never before. I just <laughs> what happened to him. Maybe they changed something. In the scripts, maybe Catherine was supposed to die and then they changed their mind. That's the only ex- explanation that I have. Otherwise, this storyline doesn't does not make sense for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because it's it's not tested like ever before. Unless it's just harder for him to come back. I don't know. I don't know. What? What? Sorry? Unless it's just like it's too hard for him to come back. Oh, like. Oh. Like to get sober again, like that would be his test he's never done before because like there is a saying sometimes people say like they don't have another sobriety in them. Like the process of getting sober is so difficult. Like they can't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I guess we'll see. That's a question for season 20. So again, this was, as I said, a transitional season, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, this, this is why it was a good season, but not a great season in my opinion, but it was. It introduced us a new slew of uh, interns. And the fact is that I, I love Yasuda. I just do love her. She's my favorite intern. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are they pairing her up with Elm? Why not create a new character? Why pairing, pair her up with a character that has been here from season four? 14 and that has never had a serious development i mean yasuda has so much potential i'm so sorry to see her stuck in his romance you know i i kind of liked it because i i just i think i I wrote in my notes here like i'm happy that helm's character is more now than just pining after meredith because i feel like that's what her character really was she was she was um schmidt's best friend and she just pined after meredith for seasons and got mad at any of uh, the people who were into Meredith at the time. And now I'm like, oh, she can have a storyline. Yeah, but I think it's a little bit too late for me. You know, this happens to me with characters. When characters have, you know, a backstory and we've seen them and they have not developed it properly, just because the writer decides after 100 episodes to suddenly develop them, I'm like, "Um, no, that character is ruined for me. So is that so you in real life? Is someone just like, ah, you're too boring. You, you can't be redeemed now. I'm not going to focus on you anymore. Why well, in a way? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know, the point is that we, I have seen Helm being so, uh, 
she wasn't written as a real person. You know, that's the point. That's why I'm so happy that the current showrunner, Christopher Noff, is exiting the show. She wasn't written as a real person. She was there as comic relief. And when you write a character like that, it's really hard for me to care about that character. It's been it's been too long, you know? So mm-hmm. and I I and I know I'm pretty sure that she's the actress, who's a great actress, by the way. I know that she's gonna be up to serious regular for season 20. I'm pretty sure of it. But the point is that I really hope that Yasuda finds another love, which won't happen, of course. But and again, speaking of queer loves, why had we seen Levi having that flirt with, with the nurse and then having the nurse disappear? Why? Yeah, on, on a FaceTime video, just being like, oh yeah, like he's like, I saw you two days ago. I was like, oh yeah, but you, you didn't care or something. I was going to ask you about that. That was just really forced. Like it felt like something happened with the actor and he's like, I can't be on the show right now. And so they had to like, just quickly write that in. That was my <laughs> only theory. Cause otherwise I was like, that's really lazy, really yeah. lazy. That's like middle school writing assignment lazy. Yeah, and I, again, I think this is in a way Krista Vernoff's fault because what Krista Vernoff failed to do during her years as showrunner was to create endgame couples. Okay, what do I mean? I mean the fact that if you look at the early years of the show, up until she came on the show, actually, you knew w- what were the endgame couples. You knew that Meredith and Derek were the endgame couple. And you knew that Christina and Owen were the ending endgame couple. You knew then that Owen and Amelia was the endgame couple. I mean, you knew about it. You knew who to root for. But Christian Vernoff made everything so unnecessarily complicated. So Meredith dates DeLuca, but then she falls... I was going to say, the- that's another endgame couple, Meredith and DeLuca. But they were not. Because then she- <laughs> But because then she brings a picture and Meredith does not feel the love uh, for Andrew. And then, and then. And his uh, was a wasted character. They didn't do anything with him. But that's, but that's why he feels that the Christopher of years were wasted. If you think about um, Amelia and Link, if you think about Maggie and Jackson, she de- if you think about Levi and Nico, I mean, she developed all these couples but made everything super complicated. And she she didn't have the ability to ride towards an endgame couple. And this is why it is so hard for us to, to root for a couple right now on the show. Because back in season eight, you knew that whatever happened to Owen and Christina, you knew that the point was that they were meant to be together. So you rooted for them. But as of now, Chris Avernoff in a way ruined everything. And you don't know who to root for because one episode, Amelia is in love with Link. But the next episode, Amelia is in love with Kai. And the next episode, Kai leaves and Amelia is left alone. And you're left wondering, why has all this happened? What does it lead to? You know what I mean? I know. And then the whole Kai breakup and then Amelia was like, oh, I'm abandoned. That felt super forced. Oh, another couple that I'm like not super on board with is Link and Wilson. I'm really over their storyline, like really done with it. It feels boring. It's just it's not good. Yeah. The point is that they decided to pair up the two blandest, blandest actors they have on the show. That's I'm on fire for this episode, basically. No. So basically, so they have Camilla Ladington, who's not a great actress, and they have Chris Cormack, who's, who's a, a great human being, I think, from, from what I can see, and he's so good looking, but he's so bland, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And so they decided to pair this being attractive as half of their personalities, I think, for both of them. Yes. And and the point is is that we are at the start of this storyline. So, oh, my God. I know. Or even Link just being like, oh, you're flirting with the patient and like being all mad about it. Like I was just like, I did like Wilson's line about like you slept with an intern. And like, yeah, I was like, Link, shut up. Yeah, but at the same point, remember that when Link slept with an intern, she didn't know that she was an intern. So true. I do like Wilson's storyline around Luna and just like the developing around that and stuff. I think that's very, I don't know, it shows her motherly love, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good storyline for her. But what I'm, but again, if you, if we think that after all this, I mean, it's been this storyline, this romantic storyline between Link and Joe has been there since season 18. And then finally we have resolution and they have, we have this declaration of love. We have this kiss under the rain. But the point is that in that moment, I should have felt something. But the way Chris Carmack acts, everything feels fake. Mm-hmm. Nothing actually makes an impact. Okay, if you think about the declaration, the love declaration that we have had in the past, just think about Mark and Lexi, and Lexi telling Mark, "I'm infected by you. I I cannot stop thinking about." Do you remember the scene? It's towards mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. You still remember that that scene after years because that was amazing acting, and you were with Lexi, and you were with her when she was stuttering to to tell Mark how much she loved him. But seeing Link confess his love, it was so plain because the way he delivered the speech was so plain. Yeah. Do you know what I really want for Link is I want Callie Torres to come in for an episode like there's some crazy surgery and they need to call in the actually best orthopedic surgeon they have. And then Callie comes in and then she's very just like charismatic and everyone's like, whoa, Link, you're kind of bland. That's what I want. And again, Link was created in season 15 by Chris Avernoff. So again, bye, Chris Avernoff. We're so happy to lose you. Um. And speaking again of the interns, we had another bland storyline, Simone's wedding. First of all, yeah, why do care about this wedding? I don't even know Trey. I don't even know the other half of the couple, you know? Yeah. I've seen him just for two episodes. Why should I care about him? Why should I care about the fact that Simone is not, Simone is not going through with it? If and anything, second- I, all we know about him is that he abandoned her when she really needed him. And that makes me hate him. Like, yeah. Yeah, of course. And also the fact that the way she showed up at the hospital, the way she had sex with Lucas, and the way she replied to Trey when he said, did you leave me for him? Oh, no, it wasn't for him. Oh, girl, you left him, and then then you went to the hospital to have sex with another guy. So, yeah, you left him for him in a way. Yeah, it wasn't like you left for you. Like, well, you did partially, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Right. It'd be different if she was having these these like second guessings and there wasn't another person she had feelings for. Like, like because you're going to have crushes on people no matter what, but you have to choose your partner. I I hated the whole thing. It felt like cheating. It felt gross. And what I liked about the storyline between Simone and Lucas was the fact that, you know, the season finale was not about them getting their happy ending, but it was about the, you know, what happens next. And Mm -hmm. I think cliffhanger at the hand paves the way for them to have a tortured and tormented future because now they might have killed together a patient and Simone could see this as a metaphor for what she did and in a way this could create complication for the two of them but we'll see 
And then I wonder, I wonder who's because if okay, if actually no attending surgeons were answering the call, I would want them to try something. Like if the guy was going to die, no matter what, like at least attempt to save his life. So it makes you wonder, like who wasn't answering the pages? Like it, like was Hunt supposed to be up there sooner? Like I remember even when the nurse was like, "You need an OR one." He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll be there in a minute." And I'm like, "They're in surgery. Like if you're being asked, doesn't that mean you should go there right now?" Like. And also Link and Joe were busy kissing each other under the rain. Yeah. Are either so, of them going to get in shit? I would love to see some of the attendees getting crap for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. My favorite intern from this episode is definitely Quan, though, with this whole Enzo storyline. I really not like not the I mean, the Mac storyline made sense and it was a hard call. And I think I would be Quan in that. Like, I would have a hard time not keeping the DNR in mind. But the the whole Enzo one where he really advocated for the kid and the mom like that one got me yeah yeah me too I think it, that was a good storyline but the same I just point... love Harry Shum Jr. <laughs> what Harry I just love Harry Shum Jr. and everything he's ever done oh he's he's a yeah he's a great actor but the point is that so I I finished the episode and I was like should I care about Jules and Quan they no. feel I'm right yeah like, I yeah. care about them as, like, friends, or I care about Maxine more. I care about Jules and Maxine's relationship more than I care about Quan and Jules. <laughs> Me too. So that, you know, that confession of love from Jules did just did not land on me. No. So and it's not love if you actually haven't spent any time with them. Oh, you say to us, yeah, you're grateful for him, or you care about him, or you're attracted to him. That's not actually love. Like, yeah. you barely yeah. know the guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's infatuation. That's what. So, what I, so basically, at the end of the day, what we had was a good finale. But I don't think. I mean, for me, it was not a powerful finale, and it was a puzzling finale in a way. And I just, I just hope the next season is the last season. I have to say, I just hope the Mer- that Anna Pompeo comes back. In, uh, I mean, she's not going to be back as a serious regular, but you know, I hope she comes back for the majority of the episode. And I really hope they end the show because I think that this show has not a lot of life left in it. I don't know. There's still hope. I I did like some of the wedding stuff. Like I liked that a million things went wrong and she had to hold her bouquet a certain way for the blood. And uh, they had to like go. I, I did like when her grandmother came in and she's like, why are they cutting? Why are your friends cutting my roses? Like that made me laugh. Like they're literally just going to their neighbor's houses and stealing flowers. I liked parts of it. Like I liked the dead Robin. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah absolutely yeah i did gasp when it was what's his name trent when trent was in the hospital like that was like no like like that got me yeah me me too so what was your favorite scene or quote from these two episodes okay i wrote these down um i think my favorite one from 19 was kwan and they're talking owen's like oh kwan like you fought for him or whatever uh, for the kid and you did good and then Quan's like what do I do with the rage and I think I'm someone that feels a lot of indignance in life like you know around like just political movements and stuff and like even yesterday arguing with my family being like you can't use gays and insult at dinner last night and then like just feeling that rage after like I, I, I had just really resonated with that and then in the second episode, my favorite quote, I think, was Nick going to Meredith and like, you're in mad scientist mode. And I was like, that, that I appreciated. Those are my favorite yeah. parts. 
Okay, I, I'm going to go with one for both of the two, for the two episodes. And I'm going to say my favorite one was when there was the turbulence, when uh, Richard was about to drink and Bailey just lapped the drink out of his hands and said, oh, no. And yeah, I, I, I love that. Such, such a fun scene. So, yeah, I loved, loved that moment. So that was the end of season 19. Again, it was a transitional season which makes me very curious to see how season 20 is going to look. I'm hopeful for 20. I'm hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I want to be... Consciously optimistic. Yeah, I want to end this episode on a hopeful note as well. And, you know, Grey's Anatomy is, uh, won't be back possibly until January 2, 2024 because that of the... That far bar- away. Right. Yeah, because of the writer's strike. So we might not see season 20 until next year. We'll see. But do not fret. We're going to be here and we're going to talk about all things Grey's Anatomy. And we hope, I hope that uh, that we're going to bring you some new content in a way. So just stay tuned because things will certainly happen. Maybe we'll have our great Owen debate finally. Oh, who knows? Maybe it's time. So that's our show. And if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review our podcast and tell your friends. Our theme song is called Inspired by Kevin McLeod and our sound editing is provided by NH Sound. You can find us on Twitter, Then Sit Out Pod, and on Instagram, Then Sit Out Grey's Anatomy. Thank you, Clinton, for being with me today. Thanks for having me. And until next time, I'm Giuseppe, and this is Then Sit Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. 